I say now, you're tuned in to the Wake Up and Win podcast, and I am your host, Devon Pouncey. We are here at the Momentum Studios in Portland, Oregon, back from a holiday break. Spencer, how does it go? Nothing chilling in the holiday. <laughs> I'm good, man. I'm glad to be back. What up, Zeb? What up, P? What's what in the up, building? What up? Let's go. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's get straight to it. Um, guess we got to go with some announcements first. We will be doing win shares, to be particular, tonight, as you all hear this, on a Friday morning, for those that can't wait for the drop, and as soon as it comes through your feed, you're tapped right into it. I'll be at Bible Club DJing 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. Y'all pull up and show out for that, and then tomorrow, which will be Saturday, December the 3rd, I have an entirely full slate. Starting at 1 p.m., Portland State will be at home playing against Air Force, so should come out, check it out at the Viking Pavilion. If not, you can tune in on ESPN+. Plus. I will be in the analyst seat there, and then as soon as that game is over, I got to strike it down to Forest Grove for a 4 p.m. tip-off for Pacific University Women's, who will be playing against Linfield as well as the men at 6 p.m., who will be playing against Linfield as well. Second game of conference play for us over at Pacific, able to come away. Both teams came away victorious. 1-0. Um, against Lewis and Clark on the road on Tuesday. So 1 p.m. tip-off Portland State, 4 p.m. tip-off Boxer Women, 6 p.m. tip-off Boxer Men. Then I got to jet it right back downtown mm-hmm. because I'll be DJing tomorrow night from 9 p.m. until midnight over at Export Rooftop Bar and Lounge at the Porter Hotel in downtown Portland. So follow me everywhere. Tune in on ESPN Plus. Tune in on GoBoxers.com. Spencer will be on the call with me. So if you didn't get enough from this podcast episode, you can get plenty more of us sounding like we're on a podcast while calling basketball <laughs> games. <laughs> GoBoxers.com. Because that's what it is Freeform, at this point. Bro. That's what it is at this point. You know, we was... are podcasting in yeah. the role of Color analyst and play-by-play. I would say that we're not taking a traditional approach to sports broadcasting. To not at show. all. Not at all. Which is fine with me. That's what I want to do. And you know what? Because I'm because I'm so much of your dog, bro. I'm gonna rock with you with that Portland State game. Come on through, gonna, man. And then I'm gonna I have you on the list. The Grove with you. I, I, so, let, I have you on the let's list. Go. We gonna let's rock go. out, man. We gonna rock out. Not, I chose not to go. Uh, to the Wednesday night game against Portland Bible because yes, for that's that seventy sad, plus point blowout. Yeah, that's a sad state of affairs down Absolutely. there in Viking Pavilion. Absolutely, I wasn't trying to be privy to. So, but no more home games against teams that aren't Division One opponents. So, the Air Force game should be pretty competitive. They beat Montana, so mm. that's a big sky foe for Portland State. So it should definitely right. be a challenge. But also, Portland State is is looking all right this year. They're currently four and four. But they've I've been there at, for five years now, and this is by far the most competitive preseason that I've seen sure. Portland State have. Yeah, I've, and they got a lot of juice from the their showing at the PK. Absolutely. So. They played against Gonzaga, and although they lost by about 20 to Gonzaga, it was only like 10 of those 40 minutes of that game where the Zags absolutely dominated. Now, they dominated enough to get themselves separation that Portland State just couldn't come back from. But in the second half, it was a tie. Both teams scored the same amount of points in the second half. The start of the game, the Zags got off to a slow start. But for about that last 10 minutes of the first half, they just couldn't miss. They couldn't miss. And then, obviously, you follow that up having to play against West Virginia, Bob Huggins. We're talking about (laughs) powerhouses (laughs) of programs. What are we talking about? (laughs) 
Hey, man, West Virginia's a good ball team. Man. It's a good ball team, man. You know, Bob Huggins. So so there's an insider that obviously y'all aren't privy to, but we'll we'll bring you behind the curtain a little bit here. Um, I DJ, right? So, again, I DJ at Export primarily. Like five to six times a month, I'm DJing at this rooftop bar at Export. And basically, um, the Porter Hotel, that is the home of Export Rooftop Bar and Lounge, was one of the host hotels for that particular tournament. And um, West Virginia, that was like their host hotel. West Virginia Mountain Mama. (laughs) So so even when I DJed up there, because I DJed up there Friday and Saturday night last weekend, like both nights you had a, a good amount of West Virginia folks that were down here supporting them for the PK tournament. And it was... You know, they were up there vibing, enjoying themselves, having a good time. They're in Portland. The team's playing out here. There was Friday night, they beat Portland State, so they got out and celebrated the victory after that. Saturday, they had a night off, um, and then obviously they came back and played on Sunday. But Bob Huggins obviously was there, and let's just say for anybody at that hotel who didn't know who Bob Huggins was (laughs) – they they know who he is now, and and the general consensus is that he's, he's kind of a prick. Mm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know, and, and and I'll just leave it at that. And, and to be quite honest with you, like obviously I was at the game when they played against Portland State, and just from the seat that I sat in, which was on the floor. And being able to observe him because it's Bob Huggins, one of the best, one of the greatest college basketball coaches, one of the most renowned college basketball coaches of all time. I'm checking him out. I'm observing him. I've never saw him coach a game before. He looks like he's got quite a bit of asshole in him. <laughs> sure. <laughs> sure. Like, like just pacing the sidelines. Now, granted, on the other end, you have a, a, a hyper energetic Jace Coburn, who who is more so intense. You know what I'm saying? In his approach and depth, he's supporting his guys, clapping it up with his guys, dapping it up with his guys. You know, he he's 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 trying to motivate his guys. He's cheering them on and he's encouraging them. Where Bob Huggins just kind of seemed like the coach this weekend, where he just felt like he was above his team in the instance that he's had a lot of success in the past. And there was moments where he just, quite frankly, wasn't happy with his team's play. The first night losing to Purdue, they said the man had him watching film till one in the morning. Come, you come home from the game, yeah. real he, smart. He watched film. We're watching film yeah. as soon as we get back to the hotel. For sure. And based on some of the people that I know that was um, doing some of the servicing at the Porter Hotel, who I happen to know because I DJ at the Porter Hotel every weekend, they said he he was quite a bit much to handle. Um, so you have that, like sure. I said, just that's just some behind the curtain baseball that I was able to get because I happen to DJ at this place quite regularly, and I have the relationships with many of the folks in that hotel building. Um, but I think you know, going back to Portland State, they ended up losing to Gonzaga, West Virginia. You expect that they beat Oregon State on the final day of the tournament for the second time this season. Had never beaten Oregon State prior to this prior to the weekend before when they played against them at Oregon State because they play against each other every year, at least every year that I've been there, beat them for the first time ever on their home floor, proved it in the PK tournament down at the Child Center at the University of Portland. So the fact that they were able to beat any Pac-12 team twice in a row, 
I, I got a lot of optimism for them coming into the Big Sky Conference. I talked to Jace Coburn for a bit last night after the game. He's got a lot of optimism in his group. Um, he said these guys, like, work absolutely hard. He said they really, truly haven't had a light practice yet, and that's part of the reason why he believes that they've been so prepared and so equipped you know, to to be able to maximize themselves the way that they've been able to to this point in the season against really, really stiff competition. Um, and they can shoot it well. This is the best shooting Portland State team I've probably seen since I've been there for the last five years as well. So pull up to PSU, man. It, it's, yeah, I'll be you know, there. it's good. It's a it's a great venue. It's Division One, high-level basketball, and it's a team that's doing well with a fun coach. But if you can't pull up there, you can definitely tune in on ESPN+. Plus. I want to stick with the PK here. Um, actually, you got a win share? Uh, well, I mean, you know, we got the games this weekend. I got some footage right. coming out, some music coming out with my boy Austin. Shout out to Austin. Uh, Studio Time, it's a project that we got going on. Just follow me on Instagram at Play for Par. You can see all that stuff, all the links. There we go. Nice. There we go. Um, back to PK. PK Invitational. Um, I got to enjoy it all weekend. I couldn't even tell you the amount of games I watched this weekend, but I could tell you it was enough that by the end of day Sunday, I was tired of watching basketball. And this comes from a basketball junkie here. This is from an absolute <laughs> basketball head. But by the end of that day, I'm like, all right, I had enough basketball for the weekend. Not even mentioning that the day off of the PK tournament, which was Saturday where there were no games played, they played Thursday Thanksgiving, they played on Black Friday, took a break Saturday, and the championship round and all the other placement rounds were all on Sunday. And so Saturday, we ended up we calling call a women's game yeah. at Pacific University. So more basketball. I was tired of it by the end of the weekend. But what I will say, my biggest takeaway is I guess just starting from a pure basketball sense is it's something I've talked about in the past on, on this podcast. The parody in college hoops yeah. right now is absolutely insane. And, and obviously you could start if we want to start right here in our own backyard and you talk, we already had mentioned what Portland state has been able to do to Oregon state, a team that in the past they could never beat. And now they've beaten them twice in a season. Um, you want to stay local? We can talk about University of Portland. They took North Carolina to the wire. I mean, uh -huh. to the absolute wire. They did the same with Michigan State. They beat Villanova. Like, when could you ever imagine a weekend, all in a span of a weekend, right. that a University of Portland team would be able to take Gonzaga, I mean, would be able to take North Carolina, who was the number one team in the nation, coming into that game, as well as Michigan State, who I think was 12 and coached by none other than Tom Izzo, and then Villanova all in a weekend and not only win a game, but take the better two teams that you would consider in North Carolina and Michigan State all the way down to the wire. I think they lost by one point to Michigan State. They were within three points in the final minute of the North Carolina game. So you could just look locally at what, our local teams were able to do right here in the city of Portland. That's not even going down to Oregon State taking Duke to the wire Boom. after losing twice this season already to that of Portland State. University of Oregon, you know, they, they're, they're University of Oregon. That's U of O. But it's like you can look right here locally and see the parity in college basketball based on all the powerhouses that ascended into the city of Portland over the weekend. Now, that's... A good thing if you are a basketball junkie. 
But I am a little concerned about the overall growth of college hoops. And the reason being is I named Duke. I named North Carolina. I named Gonzaga. I named Villanova. I named Michigan State, Purdue, amongst many others. And Alabama. Alabama. And while obviously there were good players out there, these are Division I basketball players. I'm not taking anything away from the players. But give me a marquee name. Off of one of those squads. Off of one of those squads. That j- nothing. Not nothing. There's nothing. Well, I mean, there's there's guys. There's guys. But if you're a basketball junkie, damn, I'm yeah. talking about a household name beyond the guys that we can call out as fans that that are great players and that we know have a future within the sport beyond college basketball, right. whether it be in the NBA or overseas. Well, well the, the marquee name in the draft portal, if you will, is Victor Wembanyama. Yes. And he's not even over on this My chunk point. of rock. My point. So they're the so, parody and that's just even and, further. And that's just one reason. That doesn't include all the the diversified ways that these athletes are able to get paid now coming out of high school, whether it be an internship, whether it be name, image, and likeness, NIL, whether it be going to the G League and being able to get paid going to the G League now. And again, this is something that we've talked about over the past, or whether it be the growth of the game and, and, and the increase in skill and ability that we're seeing beyond the United States of America, where our college basketball at least exists. And so for me, for one, it just wasn't enough asses in the seats at the tournament. I'm just be like real with you. There wasn't a game where the, where any whether it be the Motor Center or veterans where it looked like full in there. Even if it didn't have to be full, but I'm just talking about even looks full. It's a difference between a sellout crowd and okay, y'all brought the people out. I saw my guy Tyson Alger write an article about the amount of people that he felt like didn't show up to this tournament as well and like Again, I I don't think it is an indictment on the actual players. I think it's more of an indictment of the marketability of college basketball, maybe even college sports at large. I don't know if college football is quite dealing with this same problem, but at least in the college basketball realm, yeah. So I won't say college sports at large, but probably most college sports be outside of college football. That's only one sport, but... As far as college basketball is concerned, sticking to the PK, sticking to what it is that we do, and sticking to the event that just took place here in Portland, there wasn't much marketable about it outside of Phil Knight. Or if you just happen to be a person who is a Gonzaga fan who probably traveled into this tournament or a Duke fan or a North Carolina fan, so on and so forth. But it didn't feel like this community was captivated by the event, and I don't even think it was the community's fault. I think this is a college basketball issue, and although parity I think is great for actual hoop heads, you need star power. You need more marketability, and I think that is declining in college hoops because there's so many diverse interests now of not only players and athletes coming out of high school that's able to basically – make a way for themselves based on their own name, image, and likeness. But the fact that college basketball isn't necessarily at the tip top of that anymore. Yeah, but I mean, there's always going to be that rift 
in between the NCAA as a brand and any sort of NIL activity player to player as far as their own likeness and marketability goes. Yeah. Because what are you going to do? I mean, let's okay. Like you're Phil Knight. It's called the Phil Knight Invitational. Phil Knight, go go give me thirty, bro. Can't do that. All right, fine. You're a Nike guy. Okay, whatever. I understand that when you when you use those um, facilities like the Moda Center and Veteran Memorial Coliseum, there's a, a, an amount of money that you got to make. Yeah, you know what I'm saying so. Like th- that that is to be considered. Or or either it's the amount of money that you got to make, or you got. To eat that so cost. much, or, or you just got so much money. <laughs> well, that's that, the thing that they, you're able to just waste it on this. But those which Phil Knight can, do. but yeah, but so does yeah. the NCAA for sure. And so it's I like agree. it's like it, it's a it's a matter of going to the NCAA and saying, so you guys don't have market cachet right now enough to fill these seats out, largely because. I mean, to, to sort of hearken to your point, because players who are good, first of all, there's a lot of really good players, so it's like it's yeah. hard to pick between that. So there's that. Right. No, there's no LeBron James running around. There's no Zion today. Williamson. There's no Zion, stuff like there's that. There's no Victor, as you right. already mentioned. You know what I mean? Because he's not. But here. you're asking the NCAA to, because if something isn't worth as much as it was before, then it shouldn't cost as much. But you, but the NCAA is never going to say, okay, well, then we should damn near give these tickets out. Oh, we should damn near give away the 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 market share to the players to bolster their marketability to turn around and make that on the back end. They're never going to do that because yeah. the NCAA, which by the way has billions of dollars, yes, that they yes. could easily eat, yes, in order to remedy this situation. But remedying that situation is giving power to college kids that they have traditionally been able to essentially use as indentured servants. Yeah. So and, and, I mean, and we tell, are now finally tell that organization to not do that. And now. we are now finally at the point because indeed these players should be getting paid outside of their own name, image, and likeness. They should be getting paid for the labor that they put in for said universities. And that's just how I feel there. But quite frankly, College basketball, I just feel, is on the wrong side of history right it, now. If it, look, <laughs> like, if it was me, if I was some And sort it's of, unfortunate. You're talking to two people that love college basketball, eat, sure. sleep, breathe, shit college basketball. Bro, if it's we'll marketability. college basketball all weekend. <laughs> if, I'm a, if I'm a marketing guy or I'm a PR guy or, or, or an event coordinator, for, Dan, for God's sakes, right. uh, for an event like this, and I'm going, I'm really concerned about the fact that we're about to have a 10,000-plus seat Moda Center look like there's no one there. Yes. I'm getting on somebody, some sort of team, and I'm saying, look, here's a bunch of free tickets. Go get them in mailboxes. Go, somebody go embark out on on Grand. Yeah. Go to the hotels. Go to the Porter that are already, you know what I'm saying, okay, we're going to host these. Hand tickets out to people coming through. You know what I'm saying? Like, you need to – because to me – that is where, if you got guys like Tyson Alger writing uh, uh, articles about it, that means that people paid attention. If you got guys like me and you sitting on this podcast talking about it, yeah. that means that people are paying attention to it. For sure. And in this day, if you're going to try to battle against why and how young players have found agency in themselves, it's because they're 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 better at the optics. Yeah. They're better at the optics, bro. Yeah. And if the NCAA can't figure that out, then it's like, I, I don't. I don't really care. That's crocodile tears to me. Yeah, 
You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't care at all. Yeah. If it's too expensive. If, if it's people aren't showing up, make the tickets cheaper. If no one's buying tickets, go give them to people. Especially you know if you're saying? still going to have these events. Absolutely. <laughs> like, or, or go find a high school gym. You could, that, that would have been yeah, plenty of space. My, yeah. And, and you would have saved a whole lot of money. Go to go to Roosevelt. But go again, to gyms, they like. got too much pride to look that small time. And quite and, frankly, and, and that's why they're losing. And, and, and or, quite frank, or, but but and, and quite frankly, <laughs> is because they are going up against the big time, which is now the athletes these days. It's no longer them. Yeah. They are no longer the primary avenue <laughs> for the big time athletes, the biggest for names sure. coming out of high school. So it's a matter of them. Having to now compete against that when really they should be just I, reeling them on in and continuing to have the success that they've been having, maybe take a different approach or two, and everything could be all good. But the stubbornness of what has been the NCAA for years, who still, by the way, doesn't pay well, their because, athletes, only allowed right. them to get paid from name, image, and likeness outside of the university's budget, like – you're still, quite frankly, on the wrong side of history there. And the longer you continue to be on the wrong side of history, the the more that I could see this product depleting. And I, mean, I hate to say yeah, that. And, and that's what it is, bro. It is the the lack of care about the product. And, I, and I'm not even just putting it all in NCAA because those broadcasting deals that they got – are they're swimming in it with those. Yeah. And so I am putting a little bit of pressure on that side of it, the media side of it, where it's like, man, you're you're gonna like you just want the you're gonna let the product suffer like that? Yeah. Like you're okay with being like a broadcaster or a media personnel or a media, you know, executive or whatever and watching that tournament or or any any you know, uh uh sporting event of that caliber and looking out at the crowd and being like, dang, it looks like a like a JV game in there or yeah. something. Like, yeah. I, I, to me, I wouldn't be And okay you can see it that. on the TV because you mentioned it to me the first day. Like, it doesn't look like. It doesn't look good. Is there any heads in there? No, you asked me I that. Asked like, you. <laughs> and you said, of course there are heads in here. And I was like, well, are there really? Yeah, and How that was on, many, though? Wasn't, wasn't enough. Not enough to play a nice enough. game of Red Rover. I'll tell you that enough. much right yeah, now. And look at it. And look like I said, and like I said, and I agree. I think that the what's lost in all this is that the product of basketball is suffering as it is simultaneously what's happening on the court is like the best that it's ever been. Best it's ever been. And that to it's me is incredible. just shameful. That's shameful. <laughs> so, you know. It's shameful. It, it, it quite frankly is legitimately shameful. Um, so that was my biggest takeaway. Like I said, as a hoop head, I mean, I, I had a field day, you know, being able to watch all of that basketball, being able to see these coaches who I've only heard through the TV screen, who I've only read about in newspaper articles. So to be sitting a few row, a few not rows, a few seats down from Gino Ariema during a UConn men's game, you know what I mean? To be able to again be courtside for a game where you got Mark Few coaching, where you got. Bob Huggins coaching, <laughs> like John Shire getting his first crack at it over there at Tom Duke, Izzo, like dude. Tom Izzo. Like I, I got, got to, the, bro, I got to experience all of that. For me, being who I am, it was absolutely great. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I loved it. I took advantage of it. You know what I mean? I, I intentionally went and got a press pass to do just that. I wasn't broadcasting that weekend, so it was like I got a press pass just to go out and be a fan of basketball. And quite frankly, that part of it was great. But there's the other side of it that if you didn't see it, you didn't want to see it. And 
that's that there's not, again, there's not a Zion Williamson. There's not an Anthony Davis for crying out loud. That's not to say that some of these guys can't turn out to be some of the greatest players that we've ever seen. But these aren't guys that I'm necessarily calling generational NBA talents during their college years. There's plenty of guys we've seen in the past, usually freshmen, where we like Zion Williamson's going to be a generational talent. LeBron James, who didn't go to college, but for what it's worth, he's going to be a generational. Kevin Durant at the University of Texas, you could see he's going to be a generational talent. Tim Duncan. Tim Duncan. Like, there's guys I, I, I just didn't quite get that feel from this tournament. There's going to be Alan some guys Anderson. there's going to be some guys that could pan out and become generational talents. But for me, I I'm not going to sit here and lie and say that amongst all those high major powerhouse programs the 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 general the, the generational talents was on the women's side to be quite honest with you. It was FUD over at UConn. You know what I'm saying? It was Clark over at Iowa State. Like, th those were the generational talents to me <laughs> over the weekend was actually on the women's side of things more so than it was the men's side of things. But obviously, the men are the one that's getting a bigger venue. You know what I'm saying? Until, unless you go 0-2 and, and you end up having to play. They get the better time slots. Like, so it, it's, it's one of those things, man, where, like, it, it, it was definitely eye-popping that, College basketball, to me, this PK tournament, which is probably the biggest tournament college basketball will have this year outside of March Madness, it didn't quite get the support that I thought it should have. And again, I'm not blaming community for that because those very buildings I have seen filled up time and time and time and time again for a plethora of other events because it was right here in our backyard this time around. You know what I'm saying? So I know where I, I know where I'm at. I'm comfortable walking in to the Moda Center for a tournament that you don't necessarily particularly get too often here in Portland. You know what I'm saying? But we got it this time. And it, it, it just felt a little dry to me. Yeah, I mean, it definitely needs to be stepped up in like every way. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? From the, the basketball is gonna be there. That that's yeah. the thing that like I think a lot of the times, bro. Because I was having a conversation with my homeboy last night about this, and and, and I, I talk to people often just about like oh you know like when the sports media is brought up or sports brought just you know like the world the industry of sport yeah especially from the college scope oh sorry about that you good um you know I think people just sort of like based off of the brand recognition and like the long standing like you know, uh, uh, apparent value of the NCAA that people just assume that it's like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah that's great. Like that's a thriving industry, you yeah. know, like, oh, all, all mechanics of that production must be just killing it yeah. because of the brand record, you know, because of what, and it's like, but then you like go into the kitchen and then you start to see that it's like, this isn't all that firing is on all cylinders. Here. Uh, yeah, yeah, and, and and of course, if there's in anybody, fact, there's a lot of complacency. Uh, yeah, and, and, abound. Yeah. And if there's anybody that can speak to that, it's us. I know, and it's like <laughs> God, it sucks because you know they say yeah. you don't because we're say, in it. <laughs> yeah, but but here's the thing, Devon. But here's the thing, Devon. It's like that's what I've noticed that the guard at least the ones that I see down the pipeline from where I'm sitting, obviously very early into it, they are holding a torch of complacency that I think that they are 
really hesitant to pass down because I I think that they will they know that it's like well I'll be exposed like it's easy over time when there's a lot of gatekeeping going on in these like big private industries and stuff to, to, for you to be like, well, of course he passed it on to his son or whatever, because his son is going to uphold like the standard of mediocrity that these guys are like gatekeeping. You know what I'm saying? That like that, 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 you know, now in the 21st century, you know, and, and where we are today, it's all the information is so endless and there's so much, you know, different you know, avenues to get the same type of product that it's easy to see that those things are exposable. But I just noticed that those people that are like in those positions today, like I feel like, uh, like, you know, like they're scared or like they're worried about it because it's like you giving the keys to doing this thing that you guys have been doing for a hundred years or whatever to people like us is going to fundamentally change Everything that you guys have done for that your dad did, you know what I'm saying? And your grandfather did. And it's like, I think that people like that don't, you know, they don't want to give it up because it it's it becomes an indictment of their on their mediocrity. Yeah. And it's like, well, like that welcome to the real world, bro. You suck. Like it, you know, and it's like, and, and this is why I, <laughs> no, no, I mean I'm not trying to be a dick, but it's like do your thing, but bro. it's like Timestamp the, the thing, <laughs> the thing that matters is the game. All right, that's the thing that matters to me. It always has and it always will. And when I see as the years go by and I become an adult and I become into the industry, that the game is is, you know, it's doing fine in spite of all of the suffering around it. I'm like, man, just g- give me the keys. Give people the keys already. Yeah, like there's so many people yeah. that are willing to do hard work and to take risks and to try new things in order to. To, to to make it better, and I just see there's a lot of complacency. I mean, look, watch the PK, man. Clearly, a lot of people sat there all weekend and were comfortable with the optics of that and the way that it looked, and was like, that's fine. We all made our money. Yeah. And I'm like, that ain't fine to me, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear so, you. So that's my you. little diatribe for the day. You got it, my man. You got it. Let's, uh, let's pivot out of that. PK was fun for me, though. I had a good time. <laughs> hey, <laughs> I had a great time. Having fun honest, where you were yeah, sitting. I, I had a great time personally, but I, I, I could see, I could see some holes in it. I could see some holes in it. Um, I want to talk about this Jerry Jones situation. Mm-hmm. For those that don't know, Jerry Jones, the owner of the Dallas Cowboys, America's team, as you all have come to know it. <laughs> I don't. There was there was a picture that came out. Uh, 1957. 1957. uh, Jerry Jones was in high school in Arkansas, and there was basically like this mob of white kids standing in front of a few black kids because the school was going to basically become segregated. The white kids didn't want it to become segregated. And Jerry Jones was like deeper into the back of the picture, but you can clearly see that he was there. All he was doing was standing, to be fair to him. Like, we don't know if he had any, like, racial acts that took place back then because, you know, when anytime there's something big happening on a campus, like, students all run to said thing for whatever reason. He wasn't, like, on the front lines of that particular picture, and there was definitely some dudes that you could see that were on the front lines in, in a particular picture, picture that if Jerry Jones was one of them, yeah, he blatantly was up to no good. If there's a picture's and, worth a thousand words, you ain't going to sit here and tell me he didn't say at least one? Come I, on, man. Th- now, 
Now, there's. I, I just wanted to give that perspective All before right. we dig That's in. That's fine. I wanted to give that perspective before we dig in because those are kind of the basic ass rebuttals sure. <laughs> that I've seen. We don't know what he was doing exactly. standing here. Those were the basic. I wanted a, a good part of a, being a good journalist is to be able to acknowledge the rebuttals. Right. It's done. Now, to what you said. If a picture's worth a thousand words, would I bank on Jerry Jones saying one of them? Absolutely. 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 And I got a guess on a couple of ones that he might have said. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, yeah. If you say them, Zeb, timestamp them. <laughs> Absolutely. I ain't saying shit. <laughs> but go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I just, I mean, the thing that the... I don't know what you want to say. I want you to say what you want to say about the picture first. Okay. Because, um, yeah. My thing is this. Sure, he was a kid. Sure, he was in high school. Um, and sure, we don't really know what the intent of the picture was. But to me, Jerry Jones could easily just come out and outright denounce racism. Now, was he, he not interviewed or like he asked was, about it first? I didn't see that he, sound he, clip, I'll he, be honest. He was, asked, he was asked about it, and he basically made the excuse of being a curious kid who was there and that he's glad that we're a long way away from that time. Now, obviously, that can be perceived in multiple yeah, I'm ways. I'm sure he's glad. I, that could be perceived in multiple ways. That could be perceived as... It's 65 years later, and he's glad that he's 65 years removed away from that time and that that did happen when he was a kid because he has the excuse to be able to escape this criticism that people may be trying to bring towards him. Or he could have been saying from a racial standpoint, and when it comes to racism here in the United States of America, that well. he's glad that we're far away removed from that time without acknowledging the times where we that we are in right now where racism very much so and exists. It's like, hold on. And when you say we, Jerry Jones, what do you mean we? You own a professional football team. How removed from that time are you? Bro? Yes, exactly. Get real here. <laughs> You're not very removed from that, <laughs> that time, bro. That God. was my thing yeah. with it. Was are you happy we're far away removed from that time that you feel like you you deserve grace for that? Or are you or are you maybe maybe still you got some of that in you and you're not willing to acknowledge acknowledge that quite frankly we're not far enough removed from that time for you not to be able to sit here and blatantly denounce racism. Yeah. Well, because he's actively participating in it, but that's beside the point. And, but that's my point. <laughs> yeah. That's the point. Yeah. That is yeah. the point. I mean, it is the point. To, to be honest, for him, that's the point that I'm getting at in regards to the lens that I have where I see right. this thing. And that was the point I was making when I was saying, do you still have some of that 15 year old kid in you that was taught to be in that particular situation and didn't denounce it then. And now 65 years later, can you denounce that? He didn't necessarily denounce it. He's just happy that it's 65 years later. And that could be interpreted in all types of ways, in my opinion. Well, I mean, I feel like he's happy because what, like nothing, he's not being held with his feet to the fire here really at all on this. I mean, he was interviewed, and, and we didn't even, I mean, I didn't even watch the clip. But you know what clip I've, is circulating? Maybe, 
uh, the LeBron, the LeBron James one. Now, see, Go ahead, that's, see, that's what I want to talk about. Get to it. Because I don't understand why we're even – I mean, I understand LeBron because I, I get that he he goes toward sociopolitical discomfort. You know what I'm saying? Discourse. Like, like, discourse. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And he 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 tries to go and face those heads on. So I, that's his mo. It has been the entire time. So yeah. So it's consistency there. But it's like what, like why? And I'm not even trying to like disagree with the. But it's like why are we? Why are you asking people to ask you about it? Why why aren't we still talking to this guy? Like I feel like we don't have enough out of this man, Jerry Jones. Yeah, I, I, I'm not satisfied with anything that I've heard this guy say. I agree. I agree with you there, but I also like, think why that are we was so quick as a society to be like, well, let's just push this on to. I know LeBron James is prepared to face that that whatever discomfort may come with that type of discourse. Yeah, I don't need him to prove that to me. Yeah, I need Jerry Jones to prove that to me. Agreed. So Agreed. that's where I was a little bit like, well, I mean, LeBron, like. <laughs> well, clearly LeBron wants Jerry Jones to prove it as well. LeBron, who's already just has publicly come out and said that he isn't a Cowboys fan because he didn't necessarily agree with the stance that Jerry Jones took when it came to the Colin Kaepernick stuff. So I think LeBron actually wants the same answers that we want. And LeBron feels like the people who usually are on the prowl to get those answers quite frankly, are deciding not to necessarily do their job this time around. And now, to be fair, and again, me being a journalist, that's Kyrie is a tough situation for me because I didn't necessarily agree with everything Kyrie did. But I also didn't necessarily agree with Kyrie's treatment after doing what it was that Kyrie did. And also, Kyrie's a basketball player, and that is the sport that that the press, primarily of the press that's there covering the NBA, is there to cover basketball. Kyrie's a basketball player. LeBron, you're in the NBA. Like, simple mathematics there. But at the same token, knowing LeBron is this sociopolitical guy and knowing LeBron has been asked so many questions, it's LeBron we're talking about here. It's not just any old player in the NBA. So as sociopolitically charged as LeBron has been and that LeBron is, you would expect him to be asked the question about Jerry Jones more so than any other player in the NBA. So I can see where LeBron felt well, why y'all not asking me about that? Y'all are asking me about Nike. Y'all are asking me about the presidency and the elect. Y'all are asking me about anything. <laughs> y'all are asking me about any traumatic event that took place here in the United States. Oh, but we going to act like folks shouldn't necessarily feel triggered or traumatized of a picture of this guy because it was 65 years ago. And we going to sit here and act like 65 years ago is that long ago. Now, I feel some people that, that don't want to indict him because he was a kid. But those same people are also saying that Kyrie Irving was a grown-ass man when he made the mistakes that he made. If Jerry Jones, as a grown-ass man, can't full-on condemn what was happening in his high school and in his community as a kid, that's not sufficient enough for me. And quite frankly, in his statement, he left it a little bit too open-ended for me to come away with Jerry Jones condemns what took place in that picture that he happened to be at at his big age of 80-whatever years old he is right now. Yeah, I just worry that, you know, um, you know, LeBron James is a big, big, big voice. And 
the further that the thing gets away from the culprit, Jerry Jones, and yeah. trying to get that information direct from source, that the story just gets away from like what where matters. Where it should be. Yeah, what you matters. Know, what right, matters. Right, 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 so, right, 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 right. And again, I mean, I'm, that's not a fault on, you know, any LeBron James for sure or anybody like that. I mean, if anything, it's a fault on the media. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Where and then it's like. Because they didn't take advantage of being able to have LeBron James, who has historically been a Cowboy fan and has since then publicly stated why he is no longer a Cowboy fan. And that got ate up by the by the media for us to even be able to know that. <laughs> why why wouldn't you ask? Yeah. Uh, Just well, out mean, of curiosity. Well, it's, it's accountability. LeBron, it, man, what you think about that Jerry Jones it, situation? Well, well, I know you don't support the team anymore because of said reasons. Is this a reason? Like, it, you could have easily weave that in. I know, but it's accountability. LeBron James is going to say something so loudly that it will then force the the media to have to take a reactionary, you yeah. know what I'm saying, uh, yeah. maneuver yeah. that is directly being influenced by whatever LeBron James is going to have to say. So it's like, if we don't ask him, he's not going to say something to now or tomorrow. Everyone's going to be like, hey, did you follow what LeBron was saying? Because you should probably do that. Yeah. There's like, nah, we're just not going to ask him so we don't have to do our jobs. <laughs> and it's like, well. And here we are. He and, called bullshit. And, and, he and, called bullshit. And they were fine to fucking, excuse they were fine to smell it. Yeah. They were yeah. fine with that. And it's like, yeah, I, I just, that that and and that's what we were talking about in the first segment, man. It's like you just see that that rift between that old way of doing things, yeah, with Jerry Jones being as good a bug-eyed poster boy as I've ever you know could imagine in my mind, yes, as, as, as compared to LeBron James, who is truly a, the representative of the new wherever we're going, yeah. And so it's like as that rift grows larger. I just a lot of people gonna have a lot of answering to do and the questions. Uh, but the it's rabbit, like, yeah, but yo, we got to get the right people to you. ask them. You got to get the right people to ask them because. Well, no, when I, I, I what I'm saying is a lot of those people are gonna people to be the people that have usually been in the positions to do the asking, and now they got to do some answering, and and a lot of that answering, <laughs> a lot of it comes down to demographics. There's a as lot. to why they're gonna have to do a lot of answering. Yeah, but it's a, and the side of history we're on now, and a lot of them, quite frankly, just ain't prepared for that because that wasn't the path they took to get there. Well, the path we take to get there is see. Let's let's yeah. tackle it now. Okay, <laughs> so that me. way, you know, a lot of these dudes wasn't willing to tackle it in in all the ways. Look at it's as a, they were it's supposed a, to. It's a lot of people, especially in sports media, that. That said, that say, or said for the entire time. Oh man, like I'm just grateful for that. Like everything is good. I'm never gonna take any of this for granted. A job that allows you to get to be around your heroes. You get to travel. Yeah. You make money, and they say I'm never gonna get too bougie for the insert whatever mid level hotel here. Yeah. And then not very long, it starts to be like I'm. Let me call the front desk. And figure out why my laundry ain't here. Yeah. Let me figure out why this grilled cheese is cold. It's like that it changes people so quickly that I think to 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 talk about what you what you were saying is like 
the 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 path that say like you are taking or I am taking, it's not the traditional path nope. that has been paved with Hamptons and Hiltons. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> this is not how. That's yeah. not how it goes in and this space. So, in this space. Yeah. So, so that's why I just I, like I said, you're right. It's going to be a lot of people answering those questions, and my my fear is that it's just not coming quickly enough because that money is. I mean, Jerry Jones is easily sidestepping, excuse me, all this because he is bagged up. Bagged up. Bagged and, up. And he's got a lot of people in his pockets that came along with that money yeah, over the years. For sure. And, and, they, so, and, they, and they feel like he got power to do something I mean, to, with their lives. And that's why they're not pressing <laughs> it. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. But but I but I think <laughs> I but agree. I think I think I'm gonna keep I'm gonna keep on him. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I'm gonna keep yeah. I'm gonna keep on that thing. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's got some answering to do to that. Like like the reality is, yeah, he might have been a kid, yeah, he might have been this, he might have been that, but like you 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 got some answering to do to that. You know what I'm saying? Like we, we need to know who we're dealing with because quite frankly, like we can't sit here and act like what was going on back then wasn't extreme. The problem is we try to normalize what was going on back then because it was back then. And it was the norm back then. But in in, in grand totality, that normalization was extreme. <laughs> and so there's too many people getting let off with the excuse of, oh, that's how the, that's the way things used to be. That don't mean it wasn't extreme because it was the norm. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, so yeah, you're going to have to answer for, especially, again, on this side of history, a lot of that shit was very extreme based on where we are now. <laughs> but that don't mean, like, that ain't getting accounted for because some of those extremities still affect and impact what's going on right here today. And if we can't connect that to history of the past, fairly recent past, if we're taking it beyond Jerry Jones and his lifespan and we're talking about it from this country and, and how young of a country it still is in relativity to other countries and, and what it is that we've dealt with here in the, and, and how not long ago that was, if we're speaking in those terms, and you and you are the owner of America's team uh, for crying out loud! Like I mean, <laughs> you of all people got to answer to that, bro. The irony just writes itself, man. It you, don't even, you don't even have to be a storyteller like me and my esteemed colleague here. But you see the through line. This guy goes to a racial protest to not let black kids in school, and now he owns a football team that people call America's America team. We, come on now, like you got to answer to that. Come on, bro. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, so I'm not. Not a, sorry. Yeah. Like <laughs> sorry, not sorry. And, and you know, and you know what? You got to answer to that. Merritt Paulson's selling the team. Yeah, he's gonna make a gang of money off of that for sure. He's still gonna be a rich dude living somewhere where his life is totally taken care of. Definitely. Jerry Jones could sell America's team to Istanbul tomorrow. It could be Istanbul's team. You yeah. know what? He's still gonna be American made and American paid. <laughs> yes. And ain't that, nothing gonna happen to his pockets. Yeah. So for it's sure. like. No, not sorry at all, bro. Yeah. Answer for these things. That's <laughs> yeah, true. True I mean, that. And you know, my, true my that, thing is true that, that like, true that, that, that. <laughs> true that, true that, true that, that. Hey, okay. <laughs> no, but it's like that. That's the thing. It's like I mean, and I've said this before on the podcast, and it's every, it always ends up coming up to this. But it's like, I mean, if you're a rich, you know, prick. <laughs> then just own that, dude. Just own it. Just own it, because no one's gonna take your money away. I mean, yeah. I guess, I guess the the government can if you don't pay your taxes. I mean, but that's the only thing that these cats have to worry about at that point. 
Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's like no one's going to take take the money and run then. Really? Really? Because because I, I because I, I do not believe that even with the the day that we live in, I know this is totally on a totally different space and I turned left here, but it's like I don't believe that people a, a general majority of people have aspirations like a Jerry Jones. Nobody's sitting there going, man, I really want to own a super yacht. Yeah. No one looks yeah. at a lake and says, you know what would be really nice in the middle of this lake with all these people here? My 900-foot boat and no one's allowed to be here. Yeah. That's a specific group of weasels that we really <laughs> just need to weed out. Yeah. And if their consolation prize is a bunch of money, it's like, <sighs> fine. <laughs> Fine, but can you just get out of here, dude? You know what I'm saying? Can you just leave then? You already took all of our money. money what else, yeah, what else yeah. can you get from us? Yeah. And I hear so you. and so I just, you know, I hope that uh the sports industry just keeps on Jerry Jones's neck because he ain't done. He's got an answer for that. Sorry, yeah. not sorry. That's gonna be the title of this episode sorry, today. No, sorry. Um, lastly, before we get out of here, one more topic. Let's go. I already know what it is. You say Drake and 21 Savage. I, okay, I said it. I said they might be a better duo than, than Drake and Future. Why? Uh, this is my rationale. Because you wanted to talk about this particularly. Yes. You hit me on my phone to tell me <laughs> that Drake and 21 Savage going might crazy. be a better duo. And they're going crazy. Right We're talking about now. all three of these dudes are elite for what I it's guess, worth. Right? I guess, you know what I thought Boom. about it. I got th that out the way. Right. Now let's do the comparison game because that's what people actually do. <laughs> well, I, I've been so, seeing a lot of Spotify wrapped and Future is still number one in a lot of people. Carry on. So that's, carry on. Like as Kendrick Perkins would say, carry on. Carry the hell on. <laughs> no, but look, Drake is, is the best that he's ever been at rapping today. And I think, and, and <clears throat> excuse me, even even during the time that Drake and Future were were hand in hand through musical supremacy, yes, people were still saying that. I mean, it might have been murmurs, but Drake might be one of the best rappers in the game. And that's at a time where it was like, well, you obviously he's a rapper, he's a hit hit maker, but yeah. no one was saying that. Right now, when he's pitted up against a guy like Twenty One Savage, who. I mean, as far as cult following goes, there really isn't any bigger in the hip-hop game. He's one of them. He's and, one of them. One of the biggest, And as far as sure. hip-hop skill goes, he's regularly thrown into the, the gauntlet of who's the best going today. Yes. And Drake skated all over everything in that on that album. Made 21 look like 11. And <laughs> no, I'm serious. I'm not even trying to dog the guy, but, that, but Drake... Has reached a he level. He definitely dominated his, the project. In his, he, he dominated that project. He dominated the project. He dominated the project, which so is that, the reason why Drake is the most dominant musical force outside of Bad Bunny and, in the world today. And that's the exact reason why I'm going to say people are out of pocket and disrespectful to that uh, future, <laughs> because Drake, even who was dominating back then as well, to be clear, he did not. Dominate Future. You know why? Because Future was damn near just as dominant. And they got the accolades to show for it. They have the records to show for it. And you know what else they have? They have the present day success to show for it. And obviously when I say that, I'm talking about Obviously, this Drake and 21 project, which is a monster. A I monster, love it. Bro. It's an absolute Everyone monster. Everyone can't stop listening to it's it. It's an absolute monster of a project. And it's the it thing today. Well, 
Drake and Future still got, they just got nominated for a Grammy for Song of the Year. Yeah, that's true. Good point. So, so point. let's not sit here and act like because Drake and Future didn't drop another project that they didn't have the success that they had with that project and they are still today playing at just as a high of a level together as Drake and 21 are. This is my counter. It just looks a little different. All right, but hear my counter argument. It looks a little different. Hear my counter argument here. I believe, because I said yet or could be, you know what I'm saying? In that, when's the last time you listened to that song, Jumpman? Does it matter? I think it does, because the legs of that Drake and Future project, because it was a specific time, that that sound of music is not going to have the legs that her loss has in I, time in like in 10 years i disagree i think i, I disagree because of the Rich times Flex that we're going to be a bigger song I, in 10 I, years I, than anything I, off I, of that first day. off we don't know that let's just start off no, there. No, we, I'm, that, I'm, that's I'm, theoretically speaking yeah second of all if we are going to get theoretical here which i'm down to do theoretically speaking music of today doesn't have the lasting impact that music back then had even though it was just seven eight years ago what i mean by that is the society we're in with the advancement of technology we are in a place where and i'm just going against your theory here because we're only nah, speaking nah, theor- theoretically nah, 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 nah. Okay, i'm only ahead. speaking to your theory here i'm not speaking to what actually is and what is not or what could or what couldn't be i'm speaking to the theory in particular it is harder for me to imagine that that project, that some of these records is going to have the same shelf life that March, I mean, that uh, Jumpman had. So, and the reason why is because we moved through this shit like hotcakes now with, with DSPs, with it looks different. We got TikTok and all of that. Everything is about the moment now today. And obviously, Drake and 21 are having a moment right now. Drake and Future had a moment back then. They're continuing to have moments right now. But we're in such a momentary society now more than ever that it's hard for me to definitively say, oh, such and such song is going to be out of here and we're going to be listening to that song seven years down the line maybe the drake fans will but i don't know if that song will have the success that jump man had absolutely not <laughs> it's and and i think it would be quite frankly unfair to say that even if it is a better record even if it is a better record I, hey. based on the times we're in theoretically speaking i think it's unfair to say that this project and this album is going to have better success than that project and that album did in that time but span, it is a better because record. we're going to move that's that's all to the that's all to the consumer though but you just said that you just said even if it is a better no record. I, I said even if in theory oh, you don't you don't think it is I, you need some more time? I need some more time. Bro. All right, I'll give you a little bit more and time. And that's the point, and, and that's the point that I'm trying to all make. Right, but right. by the time I get some more time, I might be on to something else. Because that's mean, just how these things will. work. We know you I, I will be. in particular. I'm a, I'm a, <laughs> I'm, a, a, I'm, a, yeah. I'm in it. You know You're what I mean? Man. I'm a DJ. I, I do all these things, I'm in it. I, I, but it's like, and I also, I also, I also was really, really outside during the time of Jumpman. And I understand up to something. <laughs> I understand the impact that I mean, Drake and Future had to the people at that particular time. That again, we're talking about the elites of the elites. This is no knock to their impact, but the impact just hits a little different today. 
Like, I even think about it from this perspective. Obviously, a lot of Drake and Future records were more like club records, but they could also do the R&B singing on the record. I mean, they got one right now. Again, record of the year, wait for you. Probably is the best record this year, if we're just being honest with it. And it's got a Grammy nomination to to speak to that. Um, But, like, even back then, bro, it's like, back then, it was club culture, and everybody could still get in the club. Today, mm-hmm. everybody can't get in the club. You know why? Because back then there was still I can't get in the club. back then <laughs> no no but back then there was still general admission to be able to get into a yeah, club. Yeah, no, I know now doing. today because of the business model of bottle service and table service, it, it's only going to hit the people that got enough money to be able to afford that. Because most of these club owners see the better business model is is less is, is to have less people here paying more money than trying to bank on being able to get hella heads in here, and we we can't guarantee that. Everybody is going to want to come to this place. You know what I'm saying? But if the few people that I know are willing to come to this place are going to pay thousands on top of thousands of dollars, and I know that for a fact, I might as well just remodel my whole club to be nothing but sections. And you got to buy a section basically to get in my club. At least 80 at least. 80% of my club is sections. <laughs> the other 10% is the bar. The other five is the back. Like, now, how much dance floor do we have here? Not much. Not a lot. So, so, Unless so, you count the couches. So, because so, <laughs> that's where you're going to dance. That's where you're going to dance. <laughs> that's where you're <laughs> so, <laughs> that's where you're going to dance. So, my point is, I don't know if this, even though it's great and it's been very successful and it is great music. I don't know if the circumstances of today is going to allow for that music to tug at the heartstrings of people the way that a lot of Drake and Future records tugged at the heartstrings of people back then. I just don't know. And it's hard for me to be able to definitively sit here and say that I believe that that's going to happen just because it's relevant and current right now because I know how much of a microwave society that we're in and I don't see us well, veering away from that, quite well, frankly. You know, I think one thing... On-demand society. I think one thing I, I can... I mean, I know that we can't know, you can't know, you can't know, but I do really feel that even just off the basis of this conversation that, like, in 50 years, we're definitely going to be listening to Drake. Like, definitely. He, he is... He is that dude. He is the... Uh, the, the he is the cornerstone of, of the entire generation of music that we're living yes. in right now. agreed. And so... Agreed. You and know. I feel like a lot more of that music is going to be Drake and Future music than it is. I mean, I think I personally, Drake I think that the, the stuff that's going to last ultimately is his solo like R and B style, where he's not, you know, saying, you know, what I'm saying, it's talking wild about women or whatever type music. Like Hotline Bling is going to be a song that we listen to when we Definitely. are old. Agreed. It's going to be playing in like Muzak in an elevator in a nursing home when you and I are sitting there still talking. Mess about sports and no one's listening. Agree. You know Agreed. what I'm saying? Agree. So, but yeah, I think I think people are a little disrespectful to the future, man. And again, that's not my way of saying that. I don't think Drake and Twenty One have the potential to be better. I just first, I don't think Twenty One holds enough weight in the way that Future did. I think, like you said, this is a very Drake dominant project where back then Future was running the game. I mean, he nearly definitely just was the creative was. like driver. Yeah, I'm not saying you he didn't matter saying? to the project. I'm not saying he didn't matter, and I'm not saying I, I didn't thoroughly enjoy the project because I might think it is a better one. But uh, I don't know, man. I don't know, man. Only time will tell. Yes, sir. Yes, oh, sir. I thought we were gonna fade out. I did too. I kind of liked it. I kind of liked it. I kind of liked that, Zebulon. <laughs> 
Been on that note, bro. we're going to leave the only way that we know how, and that is to stay woke and go win. Yeah.